just when you're feeling good about BC sports and lay an epic turd like we just saw on Monday night. On today's show, we're going to look at just the latest example of BC and their issues with the bye games as BC loses to Maine 69-64. And just a bad loss that many of us are going to have to get through. Just a moment. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On, DAJ Black. Thank you all for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, you're you're if you're a Boston College fan out there, I want to shout each and every one of you out because life cannot be easy for you. You go through a weekend where you're feeling great. You know, you have BC go out there and hit that, you know, Mason Madsen hits this great shot against Detroit Mercy to earn a exciting win on Friday. And, you know, it's a game you wanted to win by more, but you're still feeling pretty good about it, right? Saturday, we don't even need to talk about Saturday. BC wins their first ranked game in eight years. So you're, you're, you're puffing your chest out a little bit. You're feeling like, hey. You know, I, I got some. We got some things going on in this, this these programs. It's starting to starting to look in the right direction. Then what happens? BC basketball on Monday goes out and lays an epic turd against Maine. Now let's set the stage about this game. Maine in the America East is projected to finish dead last. In their conference. And it's the America East. Not like this is the A-10. Or this is, you know, Big East. It's the America East. They're projected to finish last. You look at the betting line in this game. 20 and a half. Which I, I got to tell you, before this game even started, I said, that's insane. BC's won their first two games by six points. I don't know who's going to take 20 and a half for a team like this. But even that. BC has all this talent. They're returning all these guys that took BC to the third round of the ACC tournament. You're looking heading into this season like, hey, this is a borderline ACC uh, NCAA tournament team. Maybe if the if the chips fall the right way, they could stun some people and get there. Well, the first two games, we've kind of joked about it, but they've been playing with fire. They played against Cornell, and beat them by two points. And Detroit Mercy by four points. Both of them at home. And they felt like good wins because you pulled it off at the end. But a team that is ranked 80, I think, before this game, on the Ken Palm ratings, should be putting away teams that are like 150 below them by more than two and four points. But you know what? Injuries, you can you can you can talk yourself out of this, right? You saw Quentin Post go, he's out, Damar Langford's been out, Prince of Ligby goes out, you had uh Donald Hand go out, so you've got injuries up and down. But even that, you're playing Maine. 
Maine's a team you should easily defeat. So, fast forward to the start of this game. Does Maine, who comes out looking like they're the more uh, aggressive team here? Or a team that looks like they belong in the ACC? Maine. BC's offense, if you want to call it that, was a complete joke this game. They settled, they, they had no rhythm. They just seemed to just jack up three pointers and, and long jumpers while Maine was able to execute pass and out and, and play more physical than BC, which is concerning. This goes on all game long. BC, you know, the players, they didn't quit. I'm not going to call their heart into question here because those boys out there, they wanted to win. They just were not there. And every time Boston College move, Maine answered almost immediately. It felt like it was like clockwork that Maine just answered right back. Okay. And so, you you know, the lead, Maine's lead one point was up to 12 points going into halftime. It was up, but, but I think it was at like nine before J, uh, Jaden Zachary and Mason Madsen hit two three-pointers. And Jaden Jaden Zachary's three would have been the, uh, that newest highlight reel shot. See if they went three and no, but nope. Epitome of brutality loss for BC right here. You know what? This is very depressing because this just falls into the line. And I put this up on the insider of the losses and I'll, I'll just go through them. I ooey pooey or whatever they were called. Hartford, UMass Lowell, Bryant, um, Holy Cross, you name it. BC's had their shares of WTF losses in these buy-in games. And you looking back, we probably should have expected that this was going to come. Like a, a loss to Cornell or even Detroit Mercy probably would have been a little bit better here. And that's not what happened. It, 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 it ends up being freaking Maine. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's what we're going to get into here, right? BC, they have no answers to anything in this game. When you have the talent that you have, you should be able to figure something out. And that's what's really concerning about this is that even with Quinton Post out, and DeMar Langford clearly was not 100%. I mean, there was a play where he went up for a layup, and I think he just lost. Whatever his leg injury was, I think it, he just looked like he was in pain. And then he goes down again at the end of that game. On that last one-minute um, like fire drill where Maine just kept getting rebounds because DeMar Langford couldn't get up and no one could get the ball to call timeout, he goes down. It, it just felt bad. This felt really, really bad. And I'd love for you to put your, your thoughts in the comment section on the side too. I'll read them up. You know, we got really positive with the NC state talk yesterday. I'm, I'm up for some negativity. If you guys got it, so bring it on. We'll get into it in our second segment. I'm going to talk about reestablishing what our um, expectations should be for the season, because this loss was absolutely a backbreaker. And if any, it, it you do not need a you know resume crushing loss, but I, I don't even think we should be talking the NCAA tournament at this point. We should be talking about where BC's at. 
We'll get to that in just a moment. And then in our final segment, I want to return back to football a little bit to talk about some of the big players from Saturday. Cause I didn't get a chance on yesterday's show. We talked for 45 minutes about that game. And after afterwards I got on with Mitch and said, man, we didn't even talk about the players. So we'll get into some of the, the, the clutch plays of that game in just a moment. Now, if you are like me, if you've thought about securing your home with home security, but have been putting it off, you'll want to listen up. Right now, Locked On Boston College listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for up to 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year. You won't want to miss it. Here's why I love it they have 24 7 security. With professional monitoring agents using fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence, verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. They also have uh, the top rated Simply Safe app. Stay in complete control of the system anytime, anywhere, arm or disarm, unlock for guests, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. So don't miss your chance to save big in the only security system that I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. That's there's no safe like Simply Safe. All right. I'm going to throw up the scoreboard for you guys to read because, um, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> you can see. I mean, just looking at some of the things that Boston College really struggled with, the one that always floors me, and it's been an issue, and it's not an Earl Grant, like it's not an Earl Grant exclusive issue. It's been going back probably to Steve Donahue, is is the is the free throw shooting. Now BC hit more when it got on the stretch, but there were times during this game, and I think it was a a, a front end of a one and one that Makai Ashton Langford missed. There was like, just hit your freaking free throws. They were at like below 50% for most of this game. And it's again, like what, why is this always an issue with BC? Why can't BC basketball shoot free throws? Maine, as you see, went 12 of 15 BC, 11 of 19. And it was worse for most of this game. So that was a major issue. Then the, the, the three point shooting, the three-point shooting, when you don't have Mason Madsen hitting anything, you, I mean, he's playing out of his position right now. He should only be a situational player spot. He can't really create his own shots. And I look at what Madsen can do. I, 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 I think, you know, I'm not the biggest advocate that he should be getting starter minutes. So I think that's something to, to think about for the future as well. But you look at three point shooting, they shot five of 18 They shot 28%. Like again, like big time problem right there. So where does this program go? Can they, now they've got to start winning games that they, they don't normally win because you need to start building. I mean, NIT, anything. You want to start building some momentum. And does BC need to rush Quinton Post back? That's the big question right now. Like Earl Grant has said for the last three or four days that Quinton Post is day-to-day. They clearly need a big in there because is, is that guy. Armani Mighty is not there yet. 
he, I mean, you watched him out there. He went over two on free throws. He, he, he's, as I said, all along, he's raw. He's going to take a while to, to develop, but he's, he's not going to be a major contributor. So your centers are going to have to be a combination when he gets healthy of post and probably either CJ Penna or DJ, DJ Bickerstaff. You move him to the five, but they need, they need back. They need him back really badly. He, it's clear that they, he's a major issue that he's missing, but you know, I think loss is terrible, but look around. I mean, I don't want to make excuses and I, I am making excuses, but I, I, every time I turn on Twitter, I see John Rosti to be a brutality for every buy game loss that teams have had. And I've seen so many teams having them. I mean, Louisville is 0-2 with losses to Wright State and Bellarmine. Florida State lost to Stetson. And as I'm recording this, they're losing to Troy. They could go 0-3. Like, there's a lot of teams that are losing games like this. So, I mean, I don't think it's as bad as Maine, but they're losing bad games. So that's 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 a little silver of a sliver of icing on the cake here that we have for BC. That being said, is um that I don't think this team is is a a caliber team. If you look at the first two games, in addition to this, they clearly don't look that way. They have a long way to go. And getting healthy will be a big major part of that. But is that enough? Like, is Quinton Post that much? And yes, Stephen Groot says, and I'm not going to put it up because I think he's got the wrong length, uh, uh, wrong Langford. But he says, shocking loss is is Langford hurt again? That is that that should tell you all you need to know about rushing Post back. Yeah, I mean, they rushed. They clearly rushed Demar Langford back because they needed him. And he played well. He looked like he's hurt again. And I don't know how bad it is. They were rubbing his leg on the sideline. But they're going to need him. They're going to need a healthy DeMar Langford. They're going to need a healthy Quinton Post. Um, and so this is just, you know, I think what the expectations now is to get healthy and see what you have. You need to be able to get a rotation out there that makes sense, that does things that you need. Because I think when healthy... If you had a one to five of DeMar, Kai Ashton Langford, Jaden Zachary, Quinton Post, and TJ Bickerstaff, you have a good blend of bigs that can rebound. I mean, Bickerstaff is a good rebounder. Post obviously is too. And some guys that can shoot. So you can space out the floor a little bit more. But you you sh- you have a deep enough bench, hopefully, that you can you can do more with the guys that you have. Like... CJ Penna needs to, he's going to have to step up more. We didn't see any of Devin McLaughlin. He didn't play at all today. I don't know what's going on with that. Actually, he played three minutes. I'm sorry. But like, if you're needing, if you're struggling on the interior, he needs to get out there and play more. So I think there's a piece of, um, there's a piece of uh, Earl Grant needing to figure out some things here too. But just when BC basketball had some momentum, you had the sickos movement. Those guys are doing a great job getting those kids out there. You have the soul crushing then puts the program back a few steps because of course the students are going to say, why do I want to go watch this? They're a bad team. They did not need this. They do not like, this is such a bad loss for the program in general. that it's going to take like two or three weeks of really good wins to, to, to get the stink of this off because 
what helps the, like what is Prince of Ligby and and Jaden Zachary talked about they they love they feed off the fans and if the fans are already tuned out because hey they lost to Maine then they're not going to get that 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 edge and I think that's depressing <laughs> I think it's really depressing I mean God bless the students who this year alone dealt with losses to Rutgers Maine and UConn in th- the two major sports. That is that is a killer trio of bad losses. I'm telling you right now, because Rutgers isn't very good, is better, but you never want to lose to UConn and Maine. Just just bad. All right, in a moment, I'm done talking bad. I'm done talking about this dumb game. I want to move on to football again and talked about that um, when I was talking with Mitch, we talked about the 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 feeling of this game what was important about it now i want to get into the, the players and some of the players i want to shout out uh who had big game in uh saturday's win over the nc state wolf pack now in a moment if you have not done so already please subscribe to our youtube channel this takes a moment and we would really the best way to help our podcasts. Now, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to sports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. If you thought BC had no chance at 20 and a half, Against Maine, you could have headed on over to Bet Online and gotten that action real easy and had yourself a great night. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. This is Locked On BC, AJ Black. And um, I, I lo- because we had some technical issues on the first stream, uh, that's a great comment. And I forget his name. If he's out there, you can put it back in who said, AJ, I love that you go live even when it's a loss and it's clear you don't want to be there. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm here to I'm here for therapy for, with you guys and to celebrate. We got our celebration yesterday. We had a nice 40-minute-plus conversation with Mitch. It felt today is one of those days that we've had years after year after year is covering and following Boston College where it's just one of those losses you just don't you just don't want to deal with. And, and, and that, that's part of this too. Um, but let's get back to the positive. So Saturday's game against NC state, uh, we didn't get into some of the players and I know Mitch wanted to, to it and talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of the things that were going on in this game. And one of the players I wanted to bring up was Marcus Valdez. And he had one of the best outings. Uh, that I've seen out of a BC player all season. And, you know, he had after big play after big play. And I thought, you know, going into this game that you, you were going to expect more out of Nito Ekpala and um, Donovan Azaraku, but then you have Marcus Valdez go out there and, and make those big plays. Um. And hold on two seconds. All right. 
trying to get Mitch on right now. I think I can get him on to come in and talk about this. And I think you guys are going to like that. Um, but we're going to talk about Marcus Valdez. I also want to talk about Elijah Jones. And while we have him as well, hopefully we can talk about uh, Joseph Griffin and some of the other players uh, that we saw on Saturday. So Valdez, what a moment for him. I love when they had the press conference start and they, he has, this guy's playing with two arm injuries, which is insane. And he's still out there playing and he had in, and, and Mitch will be able to tell us more uh, like a strip sack fumble recovery. I mean, this guy did everything in this game. And I think that that was a big moment for Boston college. Um, also on the defensive side of the ball, you see the picture right there. You have Elijah Jones. Elijah Jones, I think, has been one of the more maligned defensive backs on this program. Clearly, de- opposing coordinators see something with him, and I think Mitch has mentioned before, it's his aggressiveness, that they go after him and try to get him penalized over and over again with some success. What does this guy go out do and do? He goes out there and makes the game-winning interception at one point. He has a massive, massive game. Steven DeGroote has a great comment. I'm going to put that up on the board. Valdez was completely dominating. If there was ever an example of someone that fell radar with one game, that was it. I'm going to be the Debbie Downer here, Steven. I don't think Marcus Valdez will make it to the NFL. He's 5'10-ish. <laughs> And that's being generous. He's a very small defensive end. Um, and I, I, I'm going to guess that he's not going to test out well uh, heading into the draft stuff. I, I, I him as an NFL draft pick. In fact, we'll get into this in just a moment. Uh, it Depending on who goes in this draft, I think, I think Zay Flowers is going to probably be the only guy that gets drafted. Now we're going to be joined by Mitch. He's right here. I'm going to add him in. How's it going? Good. Uh, I didn't realize you had been going for so long. I thought you had just started, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I decided I was talking to invite Mitch on. I know he's probably hanging around watching stuff right now. So, Mitch, tell me a little bit about some of the players that you that stood out. We talked a little bit quickly about Marcus Valdez, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on him. Yeah, I mean, this was Marcus Valdez's best game of his career, I would argue, in terms of, I mean, in terms of everything. You look at all... Run, run defense, pass rush. You know, I think he had three tackles for loss. He had two sacks, one of which was a forced fumble. You could argue he had another. He, he, he intercepted the illegal forward pass on NC State's last drive, so I'm not sure if you want to count that as a real turnover, but you know, he really started taking over this game in the second half where he was getting off blocks really quickly. The announcers praised his motor, which is something that's always been kind of the best part of his game, and that at times that can only get you so far, but in this game you saw a lot of times where, especially on defense, NC state's players were cramping up a lot of like little injuries. So I'm wondering if he was just better conditioned or, you know, just being super experienced in these situations. So he was just able to keep going when the game was getting tough down the stretch of the game. Um, apology to Steven DeGroote. I said that he said, uh, NFL draft radar. He just said NFL radar. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough with Valdez because, when you're taking flyers on guys, even on like in camp invites and stuff like that, you're going to see those go to guys that are 
more traits based in terms of size, speed, athletic ability, all that. I mean, just think about the last few years with guys like Brandon Barlow, who had a really great combine or, or sorry, great pro day and workout and everything. And it didn't, he got a camp invite to the chiefs, I believe. And now I think he's playing in the CFL and even a few years back, Max Roberts, the transfer from Maine who, or Maine. Yeah. uh, Who, or Fordham, or he was at a bunch of schools and, you know, he he was a really explosive edge rusher and he had got a camp invite. I think he played the preseason with the Rams actually. So Valdez just doesn't really have that. You know, he is a motor player. He's an older player. They talked on the broadcast how he's essentially held together with duct tape. He's got that huge arm brace on. These guys played through a bunch of injuries. So, and given the fact that he's, I think he's in his sixth year, and I know that uh, he's gotten some love for being a uh, accounting major. Who, and I think he's probably gotten his MBA. So he might be saying, you know, it's like you know what, I've I've, I've killed my body for the last six years. Because the other thing is he. I was reading. I was reading his profile because I was looking up his stats on BC's website, and he actually tore his ACL as a high school senior going into BC and then he redshirted his first year at BC. So he might just say, you know, I, I had a good college career. I've, I've done my time and I'm ready to become a member of the regular working world. <laughs> so yeah, Marcus Valdez, obviously he graded out at 87 on pro football focus, which I think I look at it, but I think is probably the highest BC. It's his, gra- it's his career. It's his career high for any single game. I'm thinking for any BC player in general, I think it's oh, for this year. year. Yeah, yeah, that that would probably be correct, especially for somebody who actually played the majority of the snaps, because sometimes you get guys who like come in and make one big play and they have an incredible grade. So, yeah, I mean, that that definitely could be the best single game grade for any BC defensive player, or even any BC player in general, to be honest. Well, because Zay Flowers always grades at a 70. I, I think they have like it's a... so I think that that's his run blocking. I don't oh, think they give him a lot because if you look at his because the the overall offensive grade takes run blocking into account. So that's part of it. And also sometimes he has those drops, which can really uh, drop your, they have a drops grade for receivers, which can really knock you down. So I think that the run blocking and sometimes the drops are the reason why his overall offensive grades aren't as high as one would expect. All right. So another player is on our screen that I thought had a big game and that was Elijah Jones. Um, And I was saying maligned and I I feel like has been a major target as we talked about I think it was on yesterday's episode because the offensive coordinators I feel like feel like he's too aggressive and just go at him Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about how big of a game that was for him yeah and and it was good that the announcers called out because it's funny because you think about how many times he got targeted and he actually has a really good PFF grade and they have him down for four targets two receptions with only four yards allowed and he has an interception a pass breakup and but they do have him listed for three penalties another one that was uh, declined or I think it was offsetting if I remember correctly so that didn't count but uh, I, I'm not sure if those targets include the pass interference penalties and I know at least one of them was very questionable and but again Joe that is kind of Jones's game as he is aggressive with his hands so that can happen especially on some of those quicker RPOs where ball comes out and you're trying you're you're you think you're in that five yard window where you can still engage with your hands and then you know sometimes it just doesn't go well but yeah, I mean, really good, really good day from just in terms of the statistical standpoint. In, I mean, it, considering how many times in previous games he's been targeted, like the Louisville game where he was, you know, the the microscope was right on him for almost the entire game, only getting four targets, which is tied for the most of any defensive uh, player. Cam Arnold was targeted four times. Jason Mage was targeted four times. So the fact that he wasn't, you know, a complete focal point is good, given that it tells you that he's covering his 
receivers well. And it, again, I feel really happy for him that he was able to get an interception pass breakup because like I said, going into this year, he hasn't had many pass breakups and he had zero interceptions going this year. And now he finally has two. So I think it'll be interesting for him in the draft process, because again, like I, I know he's not, you know, in terms of, he doesn't have like incredible straight line speed, but he has the size. He has the length. He's, he is, he's like, you know, exactly what his game is. He's, you know, he's, he's played a ton of college football, so he knows what to do. They've gotten him some snaps in the slot. So I'm kind of wondering if a team might look at him and wonder if they can maybe, you know, put some weight on him, turn him into kind of a, a slot safety hybrid player, kind of like how I think it's, um, it's how the Bengals use this uh, defensive back named Trey Flowers, who was originally with the Seattle Seahawks, and he's like yep. a 6'3", 203, former corner, and they kind of turned him into that slot player. So, you know, you think about getting Elijah Jones more on tight ends where he doesn't have as much of a – he has more of a speed advantage, if anything. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting for Elijah Jones. But, yeah, I mean, this was a really good game for him, uh, and it's nice to see he was actually properly rewarded with a good PFF coverage grade. And uh, maybe one more player. Is there another player you want to shout out for this game? Hmm. Uh, man, I know. So Boozy had a really good game in terms of run defense. Got he's in had a the, good season. It feels yeah, like. yeah. He's he's, he's he's underrated, but yeah. Considering, I mean, he again, he's he's not a guy that's very traitsy, but he's been getting in the backfield a lot, so that's good to see. Uh, another solid game from Donovan Ezrock, who didn't get any sacks, but lots of pressures. Uh, really good in run defense. I'm not sure how this. I'm going to see how this game will affect him, but. I checked it the other week and he's a top 10 run defender in the country, regardless of, I think it's definitely regardless of conference or, or power five G five. And then it might be, if you do the 20% snap filter, he might be top 10, but for a guy who's built, like you said, at the beginning of the season, built like a linebacker, even a safety to be that's on run defense is incredible. I'm going to switch over to offense here. Um, one, I mean, shouting out like Jalen Gill and George Tax. I think we talked about them having good days, despite you know, there were some yep. bad plays they had, but they came through really well in the clutch. Uh, it's tough to really shout out many of the other players in the offense that we didn't Jack talk Conley. about. Sorry, <laughs> <Man>. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was another Jack Conley day, that's for sure. Dwayne uh, Alec had a really tough game too. If we're gonna, yeah. Be I mean, I, I think I was texting. So I was texting about this. Like the offense line just had a really rough game, top to bottom, pass blocking, run blocking, everything. Uh, Drew Kendall had a really tough day, tough game. And partially that's just the matchup because he's going up against Corey Durden. Who's a, he's going to be an NFL player. And he's, I was thinking about this was like, I I realized that, okay, Drew Kendall is 19, maybe 20 years old. And Corey Durden is probably old enough to rent a car at this point. So, (laughs) and, and Durden also has 25, 30, maybe 30 pounds on him. So that's just not a good matchup for him. And he got his lunch handed to him a good amount of times. And, I saw I quote tweeted somebody. I had a thread about this on Twitter today, and I think a lot of people were concerned about the lack of a run game in this game. And it's obviously not this this type of run game is obviously not sustainable for BC to win games. That's clear. You can't rush for. I think what was it? It was it was like thirteen or negative two yards as a team. I think it was thirteen yards for the running backs or for for the running backs in total. If you don't count the sack yard, so. But again this this was a top 15 run defense they're top 10 now because of how well they performed in this game the next two opponents you're they're they're solid run defenses but they're not as good as nc state so i i think you're gonna see bc's running game in the next in the final two games of the season not be a complete non-factor and again i still think they need to kind of change their philosophy of how they're running in terms of passing to run 
as opposed to the other way around in terms of uh, personnel and when they're electing to run and how they're running. But I think that just the way that the other their next opponent's defenses are constructed, I think you're going to see at least a few more opportunities open up in the run game. And Mitch, I'll let you plug in a second. Just quick news for folks out there. Uh, the Syracuse game. So we know that the Notre Dame game is going to be two 30 this weekend, the season finale against uh, Syracuse, just because everyone, everyone hates me is going to be a freaking eight o'clock start. No way. <laughs> yeah. Because the, I guess the ACC network at 8 PM is the new, any other station at noon game. Jeez. <laughs> but good luck. I, and, and for the fans that are going to go to that game, it's going to be freaking cold. I mean, that, that, that is a huge advantage for BC given that Syracuse, I think this yep. was their final home game this week. That, that's going to be a huge advantage for BC playing in the cold in that game, because I assume wait, Syracuse practices indoors. They play games indoors. So if they have to come up to Boston the day after the, th- the, two, day, the two days after Thanksgiving and play in 20 or 10, you know, the weather's in the teens, maybe even get some snow. Yep. Even though BC isn't running the ball that well, that I think that's going to help BC at least a little bit because the other team's just not going to be used to that factor of the weather. As a longtime season ticket holder, the game after Thanksgiving at home, is, especially if it's later in the day, are some of the coldest I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can get really cold. But anyways, Mitch, thank you for joining us for a quick uh, a quick discussion about BC football. And you missed all my, dis- my ranting and raving about the basketball team, but uh, where can people find your work? You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf W O L F E on Twitter. Uh, I am going to be able to do the game rewatch article this week. So that's going to be exciting. Cause there's a lot to dig into with this game on both sides of the ball. A uh, lot of it you know, with games like these, you think about obviously the big moments and there's some little moments that kind of get lost in the shuffle and you kind of just forget about and rewatching you're saying, Oh yeah, that that's an interesting player. That was an interesting moment that I kind of forgot about. So it'll be fun diving into this game again. It's always more fun to talk about wins than losses. Uh, but like I said, follow me on Twitter at Mitchell T Wolf W O L F E. And um, if Twitter doesn't last to the end of this week, which <laughs> I've seen jokes about that, um, Join us at Eagle Insider. We have a full message board where you, it kind of works like Twitter, where you can talk to other BC fans and, and everyone is there. So uh, come over to Eagle Insider. The message board is free. There's free stuff on there. If you want to connect with me on there, um, I usually only communicate with premium members because I'm snobby like that. But we have great deals coming up. If you want to become a premium member for a year, uh, check that out. Uh, and we'll be back tomorrow. Probably talk a little bit of football. I'm going to start getting ready for that Notre Dame game, the Holy War this weekend. Can BC make it two ranked wins in two weeks? We're going to get a little greedy and talk about that on tomorrow's episode. For Mitch Wolf, this is AJ Black. Thank you all for joining us. And make sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. We'll be back again tomorrow. Take care.